Blog Talk Radio. The following broadcast is brought to you by the iGolf Sports Network. The Women of Golf Show is sponsored by the iGolf Sports Network and Golf Tips Magazine. iGolf Sports is a live stream broadcast and media production company providing quality programming designed to attract the golfing enthusiast. And Golf Tips, the game's most in-depth instruction magazine with insightful reviews on the latest equipment, tips from top teaching professionals, helping you improve your game from tee to green. Good morning, welcome to the Women of Golf, the number one women's golf show around the world, with hosts Ted Odorico and Cindy Miller. Join them as they interview some of the best players from the Epson, LPGA and Legends Tour, and so many others helping to elevate women's golf. So without further ado, here are your hosts, Ted and Cindy. All right, good morning, everybody, and once again, welcome to the Women of Golf. We're very excited to be here this morning. We're going to be joined momentarily by our latest Epson Tour winner and player, uh, winner of the uh, this past weekend's uh, Murphy USA El Dorado Shootout, uh, Brittany Yada. She's going to be joining us in a moment. And a little bit later on, Cindy and I are going to enter the no BS zone uh, to discuss how to handle golf frustration. And, of course, my partner in crime is with me here as well, LPJ professional Cindy Miller. Good morning, Cindy. Good morning, Ted. Are you bracing for some high winds? I am actually in Alabama as well, but I am going home today. Uh, yes, I'm going to break. I'm up in the, the northwest part of Florida, which is uh, just outside of Panama City, and we're not expected to get uh, a lot of it. Hopefully, I'm keep my fingers crossed. But uh, I'm close enough to to the Alabama border that if, uh, and of course that's where my girlfriend Carol lives. Um, so if uh, if the hatches have to be battened down, uh, I'm going to be uh, burning some rubber real quick back to her place. Um, but uh, yeah, I have to go home just to make sure everything's uh, tightened up and whatnot. But yeah, I'm, I'm bracing for it. Uh, Tampa, by the sounds of things, uh, I think Cindy is going to get the, the brunt of it, so um, we'll keep our fingers crossed. But, yeah, it's uh, right now I think they said it's a Category 3 at about 125 miles an hour winds just uh, passing over Cuba, and then they're expecting it to hit Tampa tomorrow about 1 p.m., um, but it's expected to get up to a Category 4 um, before then and then hopefully downgrade back down to a Category 2. So, yeah. Everybody be safe. Get out of Dodge if you have to, figuratively speaking. Uh, it's not going to be a pleasant experience all the way around, but we'll see what happens. Um, as I mentioned, we're going to be joined here uh, by our latest Epson Tour winner, uh, Brittany Yada. Let me just tell you a little bit about her. She started playing golf at the ripe young age of eight, um, and some of her amateur highlights, uh, she was a big island interscholastic federation individual champion in high school, uh, 2007, 8, and 9. Uh, she was also the, her, high, her high school's uh, golf MVP in 2007, 8, and 9. Uh, she was also the Big Sky Conference individual champion in 2011. Uh, some of her professional highlights, uh, she turned pro in 2014, or sorry, 2013, and uh, was a rookie on the uh, Epson Tour. Uh, in recent seasons, beginning in 2021, she played in 14 events with eight cuts made. 2020, six uh, events with just four cuts. Obviously, that was a, a 
pre or in the middle of the pandemic. Um, and she also has won twice on the Women's All Pro Tour uh, back, in, I believe, in 2019. And then, as I mentioned here just this past weekend, she won the uh, Murphy USA El Dorado Shootout on the Epson Tour. So this is actually her first win uh, out on the Epson Tour. So, Cindy, let's welcome our very special guest, uh, Brittany Yada. Good morning. Good morning. Happy to be here. How are you guys? Great. Um, congrats on the win. Yeah, Thank congrats. You. Thank you. I want to start, if that's okay. Yep. So go for it. Don't get don't get mad at me, but I'm going to ask you the obvious. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so you've been out there for a long time trying to get better. You've won some mini tour events. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You hit every fairway and every green this past weekend. Mm-hmm. What what um, again? I'm a bit. Of, I do a lot of stuff with personalities and, and training and stuff. And um, if I were you, I would have committed suicide probably. But <laughs> but clearly, you're on your way up. What? I have a few questions for you. Number one, how have you stayed positive and patient? And number two, what would you tell someone else that's going through the same thing? of delayed um, results, delayed, you know, winning. Yeah. Now I'll shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, I think as professional golfers, we we get so hard on ourselves, you know, and um, it's uh, so easy to contemplate quitting almost every other day you know you're hitting the ball poorly you're not putting well you're not scoring well but it's like you just never know when stars will align it could be tomorrow it could be four years from now it could be next month you know it's like it's so interesting actually to me that this just happened I actually had just gotten over COVID um, in the last off week, and I almost didn't go to Prattville, which is where we were before El Dorado. And uh, I decided to go anyway, even though I hadn't been practicing in the off week or anything. And I, I played okay. I think I finished 37th or something. And um, I was like, wow, I haven't really practiced or anything, and I played okay like his practice overrated <laughs> and then um <laughs> then I went to we went to El Dorado and I was like you know I'm gonna treat this more of a like how I would in off week like in my off weeks in Phoenix is where I live now um I you know I play golf and a couple money games a week there's so many pros that live there it's it's pretty easy to get a little competition going and you know I break par almost all the time and I play pretty good and I don't practice that hard so last week I was like let's just try to treat it like an off week hit a hit a bucket of balls putt for 20 minutes and just go home 
so I really didn't grind as hard as I would on a normal Epson week. And I won. <laughs> so now I'm like, I'm a little mind blown at what just happened. But I think it's so easy for for golfers to practice harder when you see everyone else practicing harder, if that makes sense. Yeah. And, like you feel guilty if you're not out there all the time. Yes. Yeah. And if it's, if that's not who you are, like you have to stay true to who you are as a golfer. And if that's not the best for you, then you shouldn't be doing that. I don't know if I answered both your questions, but that's kind of what I've been thinking about for the last 24 hours. (laughs) Yeah. So answer the second question. What would you tell someone else who's grinding their guts out and trying to get better and not sure they believe in themselves? You, You know the drill. We've all been through it. Anybody that's tried to play has had those yeah. thoughts. What would you tell them? You almost have to, there's a fine line between trying and not trying. You have to find that line for you, I think. And um, always keep believing in yourself is what I would say. Because like I said, you never know. You never know when it's your time. Awesome. Ted? You know, it, it's interesting and well said, um, Brittany, you're, you're, I think you answered them both very well. You know, Cindy, mm-hmm. this goes to, before I ask you a question, I just want to point out to Cindy, you know, we've talked about, or certainly I've talked about many, many times on the show, how many times we've had a winner, first-time winner on, on this tour, who, you know, has struggled for whatever reason and then kind of suddenly just sort of, you know what, I'm not going to sweat over I'm just going to go out there and whatever, and kind of a more relaxed approach, and lo and behold, wins their first event. And, you know, Brittany, you're a good example of that. Obviously, you're an accomplished player. You know, uh, Cindy pointed to some of your stats. I mean, uh, you know, your fairways were 11-14 round one, 14 out of 14 round two, and 14-14 uh, round three. Greens and reg. Uh, first two rounds, 16 out of 18, and then 18 out of 18 uh, in your third round. Uh, that, that's unheard of. I mean, that that is not a typical uh, numbers that you see for most players. Certainly, uh, even some of the best players, uh, you know, are going to miss some greens and fairways. Um, you didn't miss a right. whole heck of a lot, so you're obviously very straight and very accurate. So, but I looked at your driving distance. Now, you're not an overly long, but you're very accurate. Um, yeah. obviously off the tee if you're getting that many. So for you, it's not about, um, you know, necessarily, I'm sure everybody wants to get some extra yards, and he's offered to buy a few extra yards here and there from some of our <laughs> players we've had on, uh, and I would love them too. Um, but for you, it's more about getting yourself in the right position. Would that be accurate? Yes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm so, tall, but I don't really have the um, – Puppet speed that I would like, obviously. I mean, obviously, I hit it far enough to compete, but you know, everyone can hit it further. It wouldn't mm-hmm. hurt. Yeah, um, and, and I want to. Yeah, I've also... never. I'm sorry, I've never done that. Before. No, I've, go... never hit, I've never hit so many fairways and greens before in a event in my life. I don't even know um, how to chip anymore. I don't think after that week. <laughs> 
Well, what, what's interesting too is <laughs> you know, I looked through. Right. Well, you know, sometimes, and and you you raised a very interesting point earlier too when you were uh, answering Cindy, and, and that is that you have to be true to yourself. There are some players who. Um, you know, can go out and it, it seems unfair in some respects, but, you know, can go out and just sort of practice a little and get out there and just, you know, kick everybody's butt. And then there's others that just have to go out and constantly grind. And if you're someone that's not one of those grinders and you try to do that, it can throw you off because that's not, you know, yeah. we all have a natural body rhythm. And if right. you try to change that rhythm, what is what is naturally given to you, um, you know, the, the the floodgates of hell will open up. I mean, that's exactly what will happen. And right. I think you've rec- yeah, you've recognized that about yourself. You're not the longest hitter, but you're accurate. You play um, your game. You don't worry about anybody else. And I wanted to point out mm-hmm. because I'm looking at your th- I'm looking at your three rounds here. So, you know, round one, four birdies, uh, one bogey, rest. You know, par, very very steady um, golf. Your round two, again, four birdies. You got another bogey, but you got a double in there. So, again, you know, pretty typical of what we see most of them. But then round three, you came out with seven birdies. Two of them in the front nine, a uh, lot of pars, obviously. But what was really impressive, and I asked you this question. I'm going to ask you it again uh, when I, uh, off air. Um, you got five birdies on the back nine. Um, beginning on number 10 right through to 17, and then, of course, you parred 18. Um, what did you do? What happened? You stepped on the gas, obviously, in that back nine. Were you cognitive of what the score was at that time, where your position was, or was it, uh, uh, you know, this is a good back nine. I know I can really do well. What changed in round three to put that many birdies together compared to your previous two rounds? Um. So starting the round on Sunday, I had 11 in my head as a number I wanted to reach. And I actually was just, I was like, oh, you know, the lead's probably a little out of reach. I was five back, and I was like, uh, I think 11 will probably get me a top five. And at, at this point, I was just trying to play my way into the top 35. I was 60th entering last week, and I was like, a top five will, you know, bumped me up there a little bit. So, um, the back nine, obviously I played pretty pretty well on the front. A couple birdies, seven pars, and I just stayed patient, really. I mean, I... And I actually did not really make any putts. I just <clears throat> threw darts on the back nine, and um, I made like a... Maybe like a 12-footer on 10, and maybe a 10-footer on... Um, 13, but everything else was, the other three were all inside of three feet. <laughs> and wow. uh, I actually wow. missed, I missed a four foot 30 on 11 as well. Uh, it was just, it was pretty uh, unconscious, like I said. I mean, I was on 12, I hit it probably about a foot. And on 17, I probably hit it to eight inches. Wow. I mean, it was just, just walk up there and tap it in. And uh, so at, at 17, I saw a scoreboard on 15, and I I was at nine at that point, and the lead was mm-hmm. 11. And 
I didn't really think much of it. You know, I still thought, no, they'll probably get to 12 or 13 maybe and uh, hit it to four feet on 15. So I made that one and then hit a pretty good shot on 16, probably 10 feet, but I missed that one. And then, of course, the tap in on 17. Um, And then I had a friend, a friend of the host family I was staying with last week. He was following and I, um, after I, tapped in on 17 I was I asked him to pull up the scoreboard because I wanted to know what was going on and uh, he was like I think that put you up by one and I was like oh my Mm. gosh wow so I I honestly thought I needed to make a four on 18 it was playing pretty short um the the green's pretty tough but um it's a pretty short par five and I only had under 190 in, but I was I was a little left in the fairway, and I kind of had to draw it around these trees. And all week I've been hitting this little cut, little cut into greens. And I was like, you know, Brittany, you have not worked the ball right to left the entire week. What makes you think that you're going to do it right now? <laughs> so my hmm. caddy, who is also my cousin, he lives in Little Rock, um, he was like, you know, you can make birdie from the, the, the right side of the fairway over there. And I was like, you know, you're right. Like, I don't I don't feel comfortable hitting this draw because I don't even think I can do it. I haven't done it all week. So I just laid up. I hit a pretty good pitch to probably 8 to 10 feet, but I, I missed that too. Like I, like I said, I wasn't really making it tough. So I was preparing for mortal holes, to be honest. I was on the range. And then, uh, but then I saw she bogeyed 17, uh, Bailey did. So I was like, well, she could eagle 18 as well. So I was still kind of preparing, but then, but then we got word she missed her eagle chip. And then it was it. It was over. And I couldn't believe it. Well, and and that That's just goes awesome. to, yeah, that goes to really, Cindy, is it not great course management? I mean, you recognized uh, not that you're not able to hit the draw, but you weren't comfortable hitting it, and you made a wise choice. And had you not, who knows what, how things may have turned out? Um, it could have been an entirely yeah. different ending, um, where you may have been forced to go in a playoff, or you might have actually ended up losing the tournament. So, you know, that's again a smart play. You knew what you you were comfortable doing all week long. And, you know, obviously you listened to your caddy and uh, and uh, helped make a, a good suggestion, and you, you pulled it off and ultimately went on to win the tournament, um, which I think, Cindy, does that not say to you that, you know, she knows herself, she knows what her abilities are, and doesn't try to step out of herself uh, and do something that she's not comfortable with, which I think says a lot about your your character and about your your uh, ability to handle yourself out in a golf course, and ultimately that's why you won. Um, Cindy, go ahead. You know what else I think? I think those money games on off weeks help a lot. What do you think? I do too. I think so as well. It's uh, I think competition is always healthy, and uh, um, men, I feel like playing with men they hit it so far now you know so i'm always forced to try and make birdie somehow to tie them you know and they're because they're always reaching par fives and two they're always 
having flip wedges into par fours and my, you know, I'm forced to try and hit eight irons close or nine irons close and um, to just tie the hole, you know? So I think it's, I think it's really good. And I think everyone should try and find money games on their off weeks. <laughs> well, I agree because I think it just gives you the experience and it's a different mindset. It's like, no, 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 I got to make birdie here. Very interesting. Um, Brittany, let me ask you um, sort of to get away for golf for a second. If you were not doing what you're doing now, if you were not playing professional golf, what do you think you'd like to do? You know, I actually just uh, I finished real estate school during the pandemic. And uh, this off season, I'm going to try to study and pass the test and get my license. But um, I figured it's a good thing to have in my back pocket regardless of if I continue golfing or not, you know. So, I mean, like every other older golfer on this tour, I think uh, every year we're kind of like, oh, this is probably my last year. This is probably my last year. And every year we keep coming back. (laughs) So, you know, it's – undetermined right now but that's my plan is to try and get my license well i think every player uh at some point i think says that you know it's what people don't understand is it's not just competitive it's real competitive it's much different than it was you know 20 30 years ago i mean you've got so many incredible up-and-coming players coming from all over the world. It's not just here. You know, years ago, the predominant, uh, you know, players on really all tours was here in the United States. Now it's a global game. So you've got, uh-huh. you know, uh, particularly on the in the women's side of things, you've got players coming from, uh, you know, all corners. I mean, I know there's no actual corners on the planet, but you know what I'm saying. Um, really from all, all right. corners, uh, you know, all backgrounds and that. And it's highly competitive. So it's very easy to understand how a player, um, regardless of their age, um, can get out there and be overwhelmed, um, you know, because you've got to get into a certain level in order to be able to maintain a card uh, and to be able to continue on. And uh, then you've got to look for sponsorships and, and that sort of thing to help, you know, fill, the, fill the, the dance card, as you will, until you earn enough to be able to do a lot of that on your own. But So what do you say to yourself um, Brittany, when it, what's your pick me up like? What do you say to yourself? Um, obviously, you're, you're coming off a, a win, so this is going to help propel you into the next couple of weeks. You got a, uh, a tournament this week up in Tuscaloosa, and then you head to the season f- uh, finale at the Tour Championship in Daytona. Um, so you're, you're getting close to wrap up the season. So obviously, you've got a win to really propel you through the next two events. But typically, what do you say to yourself throughout the season as you're grinding it out to keep yourself motivated? Uh, you know, I also would love to give credit to um, the Cactus Tour in Phoenix. Um, I think mm-hmm. I have won, I want to say, about 22 times on that mini tour back there. So, and a couple times on the Women's All Pro Tour as well. So, I remind myself all the time, like, I don't think anyone out here has won as much as you have. Like, you know how to win, regardless of the 
check them out or the amount of players in the field or the competition, whatever, like a win is a win. And you know you can do it. And I try to remind myself that almost every day. I think that's very wise advice that you're giving yourself. And, and you know, also you, you've garnered a lot of experience. I mean, you are um, a little bit older than some of the players that are coming out right now. So you've been playing for a while. You've got some wins under your belt from the mini tours and, and, uh, and now uh, Epson and, uh, you know, working towards uh, the LPJ, uh, hopefully full-time. And mm-hmm. so you – but you've got a lot of experience. And you've got something, too, that really um, – and, and I'm going to ask you this, you've learned how to manage yourself, correct? Uh, not just on the golf course, but even off the golf course. This is one of the questions we've talked about a lot with some of the girls coming on the show, and that is how they handle. Because, you know, you've got to make your own travel arrangements, you've got to make your own accommodations, what have you. That's a lot. That's a job in itself um, before you even step out on the practice tee or out on the, on the first tee. Um, you've got right. that down, I would assume, to a fine art, Correct. You know, I would think so, but this year I made a big, big mistake. Uh-uh. Um, I completely spaced, and I missed the deadline to sign up for stage two. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, most, I mean, all the girls out here have like felt so bad for me. And, of course, when they first hear it, they're like, Brittany, what are you doing? And I'm like, I know. How, like, how can I be so responsible? And uh, um, I don't know if you guys know. I'm sure you know. But eleven numbers 11 through 35 go straight to final stage. And uh, right. so was really my only option was to try and play my way into the top 35 since I missed the stage two deadline. And uh, mm. so it was kind of like it was kind of a do or die situation now i'm up to 18th and i think i've got that 35 kind of locked in but it was weird how like maybe everything kind of happens for a reason you know and yeah yeah mm-hmm. i i think that's I kind of a story <laughs> yeah that was that was a pretty big over that was a pretty big misstep i must admit <laughs> yes mom but. and dad were not too not too pleased <laughs> with their daughter <laughs> I I'm I'm sure they weren't. Um Cindy, go ahead. Well, again, everything's gonna work out, so it doesn't really matter, does it? No, it doesn't matter now, but uh two? <laughs> two weeks. What's that? Do we just have two weeks left? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Why don't you come up to Buffalo and I'll play a hundred bucks a hole? <laughs> I would love to. <laughs> Give me five aside. Let's go. I'll get you ready for next week. <laughs> oh, God. Good for you. You're going to be fine. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, I, I couldn't I couldn't agree more. Um, so what are you going to – let me just – this sort of my final question and Cindy or unless you do you have another question Cindy you want to ask go ahead no I'm good okay you're going to play in Tuscaloosa this week um, mm-hmm. are you going to do anything different I or am are you not. just going I to stick to going the same to track? Not. 
<laughs> I'm going to try and do what I did uh, last week, not not overdo the practice. Um, it's almost like you kind of have to forget. Like, obviously, I'm going to be more confident that that just happened, but you kind of got to forget it just happened and refocus, and it's it's a new week, you know, and can't take it for granted, can't get too cocky, obviously. Um, and uh, hopefully we can uh, ride this wave into the end of the season. You can. I know you can. Yeah. I, I, I think you will. I think you've got a lot of experience racked up, as you said, um, you know, throughout all of your uh, career thus far. And I think, I think that you've got a, a great attitude as well. You've recognized very early on that, you know what, you have to stick to your own game um, and your own rhythm, as I mentioned earlier. And I think you recognize that. And that's really important because I think a lot of players fall out of that for one reason or another. And then they get, you know, sort of discombobulated and don't know what to do. And, and that's where the frustration really ramps up. And, and I think you've, uh, again, your experience has served you well. So um, on that note, Brittany, we want to thank you. Congratulations again on your win uh, this past week. Ride it high. And I will do my best to try and tap you on the shoulder at some point uh, in two weeks at the uh, Tour Championship in Daytona. But best of luck this week in Tuscaloosa. And congratulations again on your win. Thank you, Ted. Thank you, Cindy. Appreciate it. Good luck. Good luck, honey. Great job. Thank All right. you. Good luck. Yep. All right. Congratulations. All right. It was Brittany Yada, uh, winner of the 2022 Murphy USA El Dorado shootout uh, on the Epson Tour, and uh, she's gearing up for the last two events of the year. Um, very, uh, Cindy, just before we, we head into uh, the next uh, segment, um, very good head on her shoulders. Wouldn't you agree? I would agree. It's awesome. Absolutely awesome. It's amazing what wisdom gives you, right? Mm-hmm. And lessons, lessons. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I think sometimes, you know, you know, she said that you know that it, it's sort of been in her mind a long time coming. Um you know, kind of wondering when it's going to happen and that sort of thing. Um there are some players, and I think you touched on this in, in recent weeks, where you know some players will go out and you know rack up a win right away, and others don't. And you know, for the ones that don't, probably think, well, you know, I'm out there working just as hard, or I'm out doing that. But I think it, everything happens in, in its own time, and sometimes the players that go out and win, you know, real quick. Um, not saying it happens every time. Um, you know, the tides will change and suddenly, you know, they fall off the face of the earth. And then there's others that sort of build a, a slow momentum and then suddenly, you know, their careers sort of hit a crescendo, um, you know, a little bit later on. And, you know, they may not win every tournament, obviously, but um, I, I don't know. I, I think I would rather, it's hard to say, what would you rather have? I'm going to ask you that question, then we'll move on. What would you rather have? Would you rather be a player who wins right up from the gate, but not necessarily um, wins a lot, or would you rather be somebody that sort of gradually gets into that winner's circle? What would you prefer, or do you have a preference? Well, here's what I would say. Not everybody goes out there and wins, mm-hmm. ever. So right. the reason I really respect her is she's been out there for seven or eight years. Yes. 
and never won. So, you know, thankfully she's won a bunch of mini tour events, which she said she's won more than most, right? But the right. point is, is when do you say it's time to get a job? And, yeah. and you know, so that's my big thing is how many people we speak to the people every week who are playing well and love what they're doing and they share their stories of struggles, but there's another 300 girls that don't have that story. So those are the girls, you know, that I want to say, you know, how do you keep going? And and what mm-hmm. she says, I think one of the biggest lessons is the fact that you need to be sure that you're playing the way you need to play and not, you know, if you have parents who push you, you know, you should be hitting balls all day, every day. Well, clearly right. she just showed that that's not important for her. So you have to find and be the best you that you can be and have the courage to stand up to those who might be giving you money, you know, they might be sponsors, they're going to have their opinion of how you practice. So that's mm-hmm. all the extra stuff that's so difficult. Um, I would like to be the player that keeps seeing improvement in my own game, whether that means yeah. I win or I don't win. You know, you don't have to win out there to make a mm-hmm. lot of money. I mean, you can right. You can be... You know, Marina Alex is making a good living, and she's won just a few times, right? So there's people mm-hmm. on tour that don't win a lot that you don't need to feel sorry for. So, right. you know, I'm, yeah, great, exactly. I'm glad no. she won when she didn't try too hard, and that's the lesson, and what a great story, you know, mm-hmm. to, to be used to help others who are out there grinding their guts out. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, and I, and I think sometimes that's where the frustration comes in is when you're really grinding it out there and nothing's happening. Um, and I often wonder, that'd be an interesting question to ask some of these uh, young ladies. I know we're getting close to the end of the season, so we won't have them for too much longer. But that would be a really good question is, you know, when you say you're out there and you're really working on are, are you are you doing it based on your own rhythm and your own um, efforts uh, or are you doing it out of your own rhythm. In other words, you know, are you are you forcing the issue, trying to force the issue by working harder than what maybe you need to or you normally would do um, in order because it's getting close to the end of the season, you're trying to get that win. And, and I understand why people would do that um, because that, I think, makes a difference. I think if you're playing outside of your rhythm, um, and what I mean by rhythm is, uh, you know, we all have that natural body rhythm. And if you're, if you're somebody that's sort of a, like an Ernie Els, for instance, and you try to play... Um, you know, much faster or much quicker pace um, or vice versa, then you're going to get out of sync. You're not going to play your best game because you're not playing to your natural internal dial, you know, rhythm or whatever you want to call it. So it's interesting, and it brings up a level of frustration. Coincidentally enough, um, as we enter into the no BS zone, we're going to talk about how to handle golf frustration. So, you know, Cindy, it's a... you know, pre-hurricane, we got a beautiful day out there today. You know, the birds are singing, that sort of thing. Um, and who hasn't had this happen to them? Uh, you're out ready to play 18 with your with your friends, family, what have you. Um, and the first shot of the day flies 
um, straight and far, unfortunately, ends up in the trees and out of bounds to the right. Um, but you're okay. You're going to play your provisional. Um, and unfortunately, you top that, and it only goes about 10 feet in front of you. Um, and the rest of the day, sort of the tone gets set for some people. They get out there, and they're you know, chopping and slicing their woods all over the place. They can't uh, roll a putt to, uh, to save their life. And the frustration level just gets up to an exorbitant proportion. Um, what's interesting about golf, though, is it's a game that you can either love or you can obsess all the time about and allow these the frustration and anger fester up and ultimately ends up um, making it an unbearable uh, experience. So there's a number of strategies here, and I want to get your thoughts on, on all of them. The first one is I think we have to put golf in perspective. Um, what I mean by that is ultimately it's just a game. Um, obviously, there's a difference between every day folks that just go out and play for fun and those, as Brittany does, that plays for tour. There's a different level of, of uh, commitment, if you will. How do we do that, do you think? How do you put it in perspective, in your opinion, um, for, for the everyday golf? For, let's get away from the tour players for a minute. Um, because people get into there and they're very hard on themselves um, for a multitude of reasons. Um, how do we, what do we say to ourselves, do you think, to, to sort of put it in perspective? Well, <laughs> it's funny that you are you bringing this up because we've got a bunch of kids that we just finished the Under Armour Junior Tour. And we got mm-hmm. some, and the leaders, the point leaders, uh, have the uh, are invited to go to Winter Nationals, which is in Sandustin in February mm-hmm. of 2023. And part of the catch was they had to shoot an average of 45 or better for nine holes. Now this tour is for somewhat beginning golfers, if you will. And I've challenged some of our better players, you know, this is a great place for you to learn how to break par because nobody's watching. You know, if you make triple bogey, you pick the ball up. And you just, if you're playing really bad, you put down triple bogey and you go to the next hole. Anyway, and so Alan and I are talking, you know, how do you learn to score? Well, number one, you have to be able to hit the ball. So Mm -hmm. if you can hit the ball and you work on your swing enough and you can hit the ball where you want it to go, on purpose, what would you shoot? So I think it's putting it all into perspective. You get nervous because you don't know what you're doing with the club. Therefore, you hit the ball all over the place. Therefore, you get more nervous. Therefore, you swing worse. Therefore, you make bigger numbers. And now it's you're going down the rabbit hole. So. Right. In my opinion, if you you know slap yourself upside the head and say, "All right, stop." If I can control what I'm doing with the club, I'm still going to make some bad shots, bad swings, and I'm still going to make a bogey or two, and I might even make a double by, you know, messing something up. But I should be able to recover. So it should never be that bad. And and that's, you know, I think you just have to be totally aware of your thoughts. Because mm-hmm. if you start trying too hard and you don't know what you're doing, Boy, boy, I'm out. I don't want to hear it, right? 
Right. And and that, you know, is really what um was interesting about Brittany or our our guest this morning is and you know, as I mentioned, she's not an overly long player, but she knows where to place the ball. She knows she's accurate. Uh, not hitting it a long way, certainly would love to, everybody wants to, but you know, sometimes distance isn't always your friend uh, if you're spraying it all over the place. So, you know, she's she's developed a game that works for her. She knows she can hit it straight, she can hit it where she wants. I mean, she, you know, eight inches, you know, she's like a spear, as she said, or a dart rather, uh, you know, putting them around the hole. So, uh, you know, she's able to do that because she's confident with her game. Um would she like more distance? Sure, but you know, maybe more distance wouldn't necessarily help. Uh, maybe it would take away from some of her accuracy. So I don't know. I think she's doing well. Um, strategy number two is be factual about your game, and I want to sort of uh, bring this to light so people understand. So, for instance, you know, as I mentioned, you know, you're slicing the ball to the right instead of, uh, and instead of saying, you know, I'm a horrible, I'm horrible with my driver. I'll never be able to hit it straight. I think you need to, the dialogue that you say is you need to understand what you're doing wrong. So, for instance, the club face is pointing to the right at impact. Um, maybe I need to check my grip and alignment as well. So I think what this is really saying is be factual. Don't just sort of be down on yourself and, you know, I had a rotten shot or whatever, whether you did or not. But I think, Cindy, when you agree, if you understand what you're doing wrong, if you're able to self-assess and say, okay, this is why uh, this happened, um, and point to what is going to help correct that, I think that's going to serve you better than just sort of, you know, making blatant statements that, you know, hey, I, this really sucked. What, what do you think? Great. If you take the emotion out of it and say, why did the ball just go where it went? What did I do with the club that made that happen? And now I need to fix what I did with the club that made that happen so now I can hit the ball straight. I mean, that's the way you absolutely have to think. And if you don't, you know, have fun being, you know, listening to the gerbil and driving yourself crazy because we've all been there. Yeah. And God knows yeah, that, and that is absolutely no fun. Right. And this goes to the next strategy, number three, and that is to be your, your, best, your own best friend. Um, you know, unlike many other sports where you're in a team environment, you have each other sort of pick one, you know, you're each other up. But in golf, you're essentially, I mean, you know, if you're playing in a tournament where you've got a caddy, you know, that caddy can certainly uh, help as well. But um, if you're just out with your, with your friends and you're playing in that, sure, they're going to be supportive to a certain degree. Maybe they, maybe they razz you a little bit. I know my friends would do that if it was me, but, um, but, you know, I think you, you get into that positive mindset, that positive uh, self-talk, um, you know, and be encouraging to yourself. You know, you can do it. Uh, you've hit some great shots with this club before. Get out there and let's do it again. Uh, don't you agree? I think that's really key to um, – and again, we're all going to hit bad shots. I'm not saying don't be realistic, but I think this is where a lot of people get themselves in trouble. They get out there off the first tee and they – you know, spray a drive or, or whatever, and they get off to the first, you know, couple of bad holes, and the rest of the round they're beating themselves up for the next, you know, 16, 18 holes, what have you. Your thoughts? Absolutely. Again, <clears throat> part of it comes from belief in yourself, and the belief in yourself is going to come when you work on the range long enough to figure out how to, what you're doing with the club. So many people want to hit the ball. <clears throat> you can't hit the ball. You must 
swing the club. If you learn to swing the mm-hmm. club, you can tell the ball where to go. And, and that, that, my dear, is a fact. Again, mm-hmm. uh, having fear standing over the ball, not knowing what you're doing, is the worst feeling in the world. And anybody that's played golf longer than 10 minutes knows that because they've been there and done that. So, you know, again, when you're at the point where Brittany is, you know, she, she had COVID, she couldn't play, she couldn't practice. I'll just go to the tournament. Again, look out for the sick golfer, right? They always say that Mm -hmm. on tour because there's no expectation and that's what happens. And then they play better. Yeah, and, and and I think goes to what we talked about earlier is she becomes more relaxed. Again, there's no ex, you know, there's not the expectation because she is hasn't been feeling well and and wasn't able to get out and practice, play another round or what have you, and all of a sudden she's out, you know, on the golf course and she's cleaning up, um, and people are scratching their heads. Well, wait a minute, what's going on? I've been you know busting my behind for the last three weeks, and here she comes out. And, uh, you know, hits these beautiful drives and gets in the fairway all the time and, you know, sticks it close to the pin. What's going on here? But sometimes you just play with a more relaxed mindset. And the, the, the pressure seems to – I think this is what a lot of it boils down to, Cindy, is I think people put undue pressure on themselves, uh, especially in tournament play. Obviously, there's a lot riding on it. Um, but that's what happens. Um, I want to move on so we don't get behind in our time. But uh, strategy number four is be neutral – uh, or positive. So, um, you know, we all have a strong negative reaction sometimes to a shot um, that obviously that goes bad. Uh, it tends to get deeply stored into our memory. Um, the unfortunate thing is when we get into um, a later situation that's very similar, uh, that bad memory starts to resurface. And I, you know, you've heard me say this, it's like going to the airport and dragging, you know, past baggage. This happens with a lot of uh, players, um, you know, I, I think that what you have to do is certainly you want to encourage yourself when you hit a good shot. You want to store those good memories, um, but I think you want to like a like a you know the snakeskin. You want to shed those bad memories. Um, you, you don't want to be dragging those like that luggage uh, that I've talked about so many times on the show. Um, drag that along with you because that's that's detrimental. Um, to your play, you've said this many times as well. What What do you think? How do How do we do that? How do we, you know, it's easier said than done to just forget that. How do we do that in your mind? You don't put any <clears throat> You don't put any value on it. So the more the emotion comes with the event, the deeper it's stored mm-hmm. in your subconscious mind. So try not to put any value on the event, and that will help you not to remember it. Have you ever heard that before? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, I have. Um, I think also, too, for good – I don't know what you think about this, but and, and I was just thinking about this as, as we've been talking. Even the good shots, I mean, you certainly want to remember them, but how many times have you seen a player um, – and we've talked about this, you know, uh, you know – They'll go out in the range and they'll hit, uh, you know, a seven iron, let's say 150 yards. That's their best seven iron. The rest of them might be 135, but they remember the 150-yard shot. I think sometimes good shots can be bad as well if you're focusing too heavily. You know, if you're playing even on your own course and you get to a situation where maybe it's a, an eight iron in, you hit that eight iron and it, 
you know, it, it lands like a dart on the on the uh, on the green, and you've hit a, uh, you know, now you've made your birdie putt, and you're feeling really good. And then maybe you know, a week later, you come back, and you've got similar, almost an identical shot, but the circumstances may be different. Now you've got breeze, but you're thinking in your mind, hey, I hit an eight iron here, I got to pull that eight iron out. That may not always be the best uh, approach, right? I mean, don't you agree yeah. with that? I so, mean, it's good to, to remember that. So yeah, go ahead. I saw a quote that I um, I saved. The degree to which a person can grow is directly proportional to the amount of truth they can accept about themselves without running away. So, you know, if I kill this, I can hit it this far. But my normal mm-hmm. shot goes this far. So it's all about truth and facts. <clears throat> and and I think so many people, because I, we work a lot with kids, but I think they have this outcome, you know, I've got to win, I've got to do well. They're always looking at the outcome rather than I need to follow the process and make a good swing. If I make a good swing, I'm going to get the result. Therefore, I'm going to shoot better. Mm-hmm. It's just you have to be a tortoise when you're playing. You have to be a tortoise. And if you if you aren't and you're thinking outcome and and you know, well, I can hit it this far. Well, is that really how far you hit it most times? Let's let's investigate this. How far is it to the pin? Where do you need to fly it? What are the greens like? Is it going to stop? Is it going to roll? What's my best play from this situation? Then you make a decision. Mm-hmm. So you got to watch the ego because the ego will kill you. You know, I had a really interesting. Uh, we'll I'll get to number five here real quick, but. Um, Earlier this year, I had the opportunity to go to Pinehurst and play number two. I played others as well, but I played number two. In the very first hole, um, I had a great drive right down the middle of the fairway. I put myself in a great position. But I'd never played that uh, that particular course before, so I wasn't really familiar with everything. And obviously, you know, you see it on TV, but it's not doesn't do it justice. And I ended up hitting an approach right at the flag. I mean, it was right pin high, I thought, wow, this is going to be great. What a great way to start. Well, what I didn't realize was that the green was very undulated. They had put the pin right on top of the, uh, basically on on the hill. And yeah, it hit, but it rolled right off the back of the green and probably ended up, kept rolling another 20, you know, uh, feet or so over the green. And I scratched my head and I said, I can't believe that just happened. How can I go from just this beautiful drive and this great approach shot, you know, it didn't hold the green at all. And I found that for the first few holes that every green was the same. Um, you know, they were running, I think they said 11 and a half on the stint meter. Uh, so they were pretty quick and very undulated. But I, again, you know, I was comfortable in the shot because I knew, you know, I know how far I hit my clubs and so forth. And, but I didn't, I wasn't familiar with the course. And I didn't play for the circumstances. I played based on just what we're talking about. I played on, okay, I know how far I hit this club, so this is the right club in the bag, but obviously it wasn't. Um, I needed to come up a little bit short and let it roll up and towards the hole and not try to fly it to the hole. So again, you know, this goes to what you're talking about is, um, you know, you might have, think you have, know your best shot, but in reality it may not serve you well uh, in certain circumstances, and that goes to what we're talking about. Um, so I, I learned a very valuable lesson 
playing number two. I didn't play as well as I thought I did. I might have hit some good shots, but it didn't come out the outcome I was hoping for. But um, nevertheless, we'll, we'll move on. Uh, and obviously the last one is it sort of sums up what we're talking about here, and that is really really important to pay attention to what you're telling yourself. And I know we've sort of touched on this already, but um, I think you have to understand your abilities. We talked about this with Brittany. You know, she understands what her abilities are, what she can do and what not to do. Um, and then I think you have to go with that. So if, if you were sort of sum things up here in just a, 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 a paragraph or so, um, Cindy, what would you say to golfers? Let's talk about some of the golfers that you're working, some of these juniors that you're working. What do you say to them um, to get them to change the way that they think about themselves in such a way that's going to serve them well out in the golf course? What are they, what's the self-dialogue, self-talk that they need to be saying to themselves? I think they need to play within themselves depending on their age and their skill level and how far they hit the ball. You know, I say to some of them, you know, it, it, all you got to do is bogey every hole. If you're not hitting your driver good, don't hit your driver. Hit a hybrid. So I think I, I think realistic expectations, playing within themselves, and enjoy the process. So many kids or people, they're worried about outcome. I can't hit my driver straight. What do you shoot? A hundred? Well, you don't even need your driver. You know? Right. So again, <laughs> but it's a different way. Their thoughts have been skewed by the committee of they, and mm-hmm. they listen to those people, and that there's another way to think about it that's going to be way better. And and I just try to jar them to say, you know, let's just have some fun here. Be nice to yourself. What What's the expectation? And then you're not disappointed. And you can get better mm-hmm. faster. So, and pat yep. yourself I on could, the back. Nobody's trying to screw up. Yep, I couldn't agree. And let me just leave with this thought is there is no perfecting golf. So enjoy the journey of improvement. I think that's a good yeah. way to end it, you know, because you're not going to. Even the best, I mean, Tiger has talked about this many, many times. You are never going to perfect this game. Many others have said it over the years as well. I mean, there are some people that, you know, when maybe you compare it to yourselves and think, wow, they're pretty darn close to perfect. Well, no, they're not really. You know, we see the best of them, uh, you know, especially when we're watching events on TV because they're editing a lot of stuff out. Uh, but the truth of the matter is everybody struggles for their game, even the, the best of the best have their moments where things are just not happening. The, I think the difference is that they have the ability to work with what they've got and they can accept that's the game I'm, I'm working with today. And they will go out and make the best of it. And, you know, today, if they're, if they're not hitting it straight, if they're not uh, hitting the distances that they normally would hit, they're not trying to – I mean, they might make a few tweaks, but they're not really trying to change everything out there. They'll work on it, obviously, after the, the round and quote and, and make some adjustments. But they're playing with what, whatever game they've got at the, uh, you know, that they've seen on the range and they're taking to the golf course that day, um, and they can accept that. They may not like it, but they can accept that. The average player cannot do that. They go out there when, the, when you know, the, the winds blow in, in a bad direction, they panic and they start making – 
major adjustments out there and they end up making the matter worse and then it just ends up and this is why I think so many people that do ultimately get so frustrated that they um, turn away from the game because they're not able to handle that self-talk they're not able to say hey it's you know it's okay I didn't hit a great drive here um, and as you pointed out you know maybe you need to put the driver away if you're not breaking a hundred it's not your driver that's the problem there's other areas of the game that are causing you, right? Yep, for sure. And quit listening, as you would say, quit listening to the committee of they. They're not, they're not serving you well. It's time to fire them um, and yep. send them on their way. But um, all right, interesting, interesting discussion. Those are just a few strategies uh, how to handle golf frustration. We all get frustrated. Let me tell you, the best of the best get frustrated. So you're in good company. That's the way you should look at it. Uh, hopefully that'll help. Um, if you missed it, uh, joining us uh, towards the end here, you can go back, uh, go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash women of golf, and you can listen to the recorded version of its entirety, including our interview uh, with the latest Epson Tour winner, Brittany Yada. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Thank you, Cindy, as always. And uh, I look forward to uh, getting close to wrapping up the season here soon. We're going to be wrapping up the Epson Tour here, uh, Epson Tour here in a couple of weeks. Um, and I... Uh, it won't be much longer. We'll be taking a bit of a break. So um, thanks, everybody. Thank you, Cindy, as always. And I hope everybody will join us next week here on the Women of Golf. God bless everybody. Thanks, Cindy. Have a great week. Bye. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed listening to this week's Women of Golf show. Ted and Cindy wish to thank this week's special guests. Remember to join them every Tuesday from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern here on the iGolf Sports Network or on any of these social media platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, CastBox, TalkStream Live, and of course Spotify. To get updates on the show, you can follow the Women of Golf Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash womenofgolf. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting? Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.